Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We're in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy, we're in this series called Walk This Way, about how as followers of Christ, believers of Christ, how we walk in this way. This is the letter from the Apostle Paul to, uh, to young Timothy. Young Timothy, probably most theologians put him kind of in his mid-30s, maybe 40. And, uh, and walking forward, he's giving instruction to the church in Ephesus. And if you, if you remind it, the, the church in Ephesus was a church that was under attack. It was a new church, a church plant. But it was being attacked specifically by false teachers, fake teachers, teachers uh, that were putting themselves forward as followers of Jesus, but they were teaching them wrongly. And so the Apostle Paul is coming, he's instructing him, and he's showing them how to be reconciled to God. And one of the biggest things that I want you to take out of this is that God is all about reconciliation. Reconciliation is the heart of God. It's the heart of a father reaching out to his children to reconcile them back to him. This is the heart. And, and the good news about this is that wherever you go, whatever you do, you know, though you may f- feel like you're a million miles from God, the path back begins with just one step. No matter how far away you are, the minute you turn towards God, he's right there waiting for you. Isn't that the good news of the gospel? So let's look at this today as we look at life's being turned around. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4. And it begins by Paul saying to Timothy, he's saying, Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars. And then he says this, he says, And their consciences are dead. Verse 3, Paul says, They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, But God created those foods to be eaten, amen, with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and the sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself. Say train yourself. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and we continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. I almost said lung. (laughs) Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. And then he ends up this chapter by looking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. 
Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. And then the last verse, he says, keep a close watch on how you live. Keep a close watch on how you live and, and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Powerful words to young Timothy. I think powerful words to us. And I want to kind of hone in on one of the things that the Apostle Paul pulls out. And he pulls out this challenge, the big challenge back then, and it's a big challenge today. And the challenge that we have is our conscience. Our conscience is a big challenge because Paul, he frequently mentions a person's conscience in his letter, and he, and he frequently talks about this. Because, see, a person's conscience, when we talk about the word conscience, it's referring to a part of the human psyche uh, that it brings about mental anguish and feelings of guilt when we violate it and feelings of pleasure and well-being when our actions and thoughts and our words are in conformity with our value system. See, the, and the word that is used here, the Greek word for conscience, what Paul's talking about, he's talking about moral awareness or this moral consciousness. See, the conscience, it reacts when our actions and our thoughts and our words conform to or are contrary to the right and wrong standard. And as it relates to our conscience, I know that we may hear a lot of talk about it, but we need to remind ourselves that our conscience comes from God. Our conscience comes from God. Every human being, if any human that you look at, and you look at the person next to you and say, you are made in the image of God. It's the Imago Dei. You are made in the image of God. Whether you're following God or not following God, every human being is made in the image of God. And we've been made with a purpose given by God for his purpose in us. And because we're made in the image of God, this means that we've been born with a sense of right and wrong. And we don't always listen to it, but we've been born with a sense of what is right and wrong. And Paul says that everyone's conscious, it bears witness to the law of God. Look what Paul talks about in Romans. Romans chapter 2, Paul says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. See, Paul is saying our conscience is a God-given capacity that allows us to exercise this self-evaluation of ourselves. But Paul reverse, and he refers several times of his own conscience being good or being clear. See, having a conscience, I think, is further evidenced by the fact that we have laws. Any functioning society is going to have laws, and it's going to have a legal system put in place to help support those laws and make sure that those laws are enforced. I mean, I found that generally, generally speaking, Christians, non-Christians, atheists, whoever you are, they tend to all agree on this importance for law and order, that there's a right and wrong, and, and tend to agree that we need these laws in place in order to function. See, this is evidence to our Creator who's put this inside of us, that there is this sense of right and wrong. See, God created us. He gave us a conscience, and so we look to Him because it's important that this conscience, as Paul's talking about, is healthy. Because, see, our conscience is either strengthened or it's weakened by how we use it. 
how we use it, how we respond to it. If we feed it, it grows. If, but if we starve it like everything else, it dies. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he opens up chapter 4 with, this, with these words. He said, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the truth faith. They'll follow deceptive spirits and the teachings that come from demons. And Paul says, these people are hypocrites, they're liars, and then he says, their consciences are dead. See, Paul is laying it very clearly that if you ignore your conscience, if you ignore what's happening, that it dies. This, this compass system, this directional system that God placed inside of us, it dies. See, every day of our lives, God gives us a fresh opportunity Every day of our lives, the Lord has told us that there are new mercies and new provision given to us for the day that we're in, opportunities to use us for the Lord. Lamentations 3 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, that they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Remember that song? Thank you. I love that song. I, I still sing it. I sing it to my dog every morning, I think. But see, when we ignore this, we allow what the Bible calls our flesh to rise up. The flesh that only feeds itself. The flesh that one day will die. And when we do this, our consciences die. They no longer cease to exist. I mean, criminal psychologists know this. Criminal psychologists, they've seen this in the eyes of hardened criminals and in the lives of people who have no remorse. They've looked into the eyes of people that seem to have no sense of right or wrong. How did this happen? This resulted from a life of ignoring their conscience, either by choice or either by coercion from others or for the abuse that they've walked through. Their consciences have been seared. They've, they've died, and there seems to be no sense of right or wrong. And as a result, people with a seared conscience that they've gotten to that level, it's no longer safe for them to even be in society and be around people. And Paul is make, he's saying that the same is true spiritually. See, Paul, he's identifying people here that there are people who instead of following God, he says, they've turned away from faith. They follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons that it results in them being hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. And see, when the conscience of a society dies, the society itself implodes on itself. And we've seen, I've seen this happen in other churches. I've seen this happen in communities. I've seen to where when the conscience dies, it, it, it just, especially spiritually, it implodes on itself. And this is what Paul is concerned about. He's bringing this up intentionally under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm worried about you because I'm seeing the conscience die here. He's concerned about the false teachers that will result in killing the local church, the witness of Christ. And I think it's important to recognize that I think for most of us, you know, our conscience, it isn't killed by taking this spiritual jump off a cliff where we're saying, I no longer choose God, and we just take a jump. I've seen some people get there, but I think for most of us, it's more of a subtle compromise that enter our lives. You know, one of the books that, that I've been reading that, that, is, that has really uh, spoke to me is a book by John Aldridge, and his book's called Resilient. And he explains this so well when, when he says, much of the testing and the falling away takes place very subtly in the heart. It's the small turns from God toward our other comforters, the quiet feelings of being disappointed with him. This is how most of the testing plays out. But... It has momentum like an avalanche. 
See, the journey of a million miles of being off track from God begins with a single step. It's those quiet no's. It's those, it's those quiet little things. It's okay if I watch this. It's okay if I say this. It's okay if I, it's okay if I sleep in today. It's okay if I don't read my Bible today. It's okay if I do all these things. And, you know, that's just legalism anyway. What does it mean? And we, we keep kind of doing these subtle things, subtle things, where we find ourselves so off track. It's just one potato chip. You know that's my drug of choice. But see, staying away, ignoring the prompting of the Holy Spirit, staying away from these gatherings, staying away from prayers, staying away from all these sleeping in things, these are seemingly small choices, but collectively they pull us away and they, they also lead away those that we have influence over in our life. And left uncorrected, that can result spiritually to the point where our consciences are seared, meaning that we no longer find ourselves listening to the voice of God. See, a seared conscience is one that has grown dull to the voice of the Lord. That's why when I talk to people, they're like, man, I'm not hearing God. Hearing God is about positioning yourself to hear God. His voice goes out. If I told you, you know what, I'm just not hearing my wife, right? You wouldn't question Stephanie, would you? No one questions Stephanie. (laughs) Kidding. But you would say, are you taking her on a date? Are you listening to her? Are you turning off other things? What's causing you? Because Stephanie's speaking. Or your friend. When was the last time you got together for coffee? Are, are you calling that person? Are you texting them? Are you, are you engaging? See, when we position ourselves, even with each other, sitting down, slowing our lives down, we can hear each other. When we slow ourselves down with God, when we, when we tune things in and we tune out everything else, every distraction, God is speaking. But our conscience needs to come alive because so many of our choices, it's dulled us. It's, we're being distracted by the hindrances and the weight. We're not yoked with Christ. I mean, scriptures are just endless, pointing us to walking with God. Now, there's dark nights of the soul. But I've even found even those dark nights that God's saying, I'm going to show you a new path here if you'll trust me, if you'll position your life, if you'll turn it off, that when you're awakened at 2.30 in the morning, instead of tuning on Netflix, and I'm, I'm not preaching against Netflix, I'm just saying, if I, instead of doing that, if I go to the, to the voice of God and to the Word and say, God, would you speak to me? Would you show me what's going on here? Will you show me how I need to dig deeper? And Paul is saying to the false teachers, to the, to the church, that there's this seared conscience and he's clear that as it relates to this distraction, as it relates to searing our conscience, as it relates to these, these small, subtle steps, he's pointing that this comes from a deceitful spirit. He's saying it is demonic. There's two voices. There's God and there's the enemy. And they are in war and conflict with, often inside of us. So what do we do about this? What is, how does Paul instruct and how does he, showing them, recognizing these things are happening, recognize there's this, there's this conscience being seared, how do we regain our spiritual conscience? What brings us back to our conscience? And Paul points to something called holiness. Now, holiness is a word that has a lot of baggage for me. If there was a couch up here, I'd lay on it and call in a counselor, okay? Holiness has a lot of baggage for me. Because when I grew up, 
holiness meant, right, you didn't grow your hair long. I was in the 80s. I had hair back then, all right? You could, I mean, it was just, it, it meant that you didn't, it was, it was a whole list of things that you didn't do. Can anybody relate to that? Anybody got any church hurt here, okay? I mean, it's just, it's all that stuff. And holiness became about all the things that you didn't do and you couldn't do. And one of the things for me, even from a, a little kid, it meant that I couldn't swim on Sunday. It meant that I couldn't fish on Sunday, which I kept saying honors the Lord. It meant that I couldn't play basketball with my friends. I couldn't play ball hockey with my friends. I couldn't do anything. And I remember telling my mom from a little age, when I get old enough, I'm going to play hockey all day on Sunday. You know? <laughs> right? It was very confusing to me. And that just kept playing out. This is not what we're talking about. This is not what holiness is about. It's not about a long list of prohibitions. And Paul even addresses this in the beginning. That it's by teachers that are leading you off. That they're forbidding marriage. And they're forbidding eating certain foods. And Paul says, everything God created is good. This is not what we're talking about. Now, while there, there are things that we lay down, we, we surrender everything to God. I mean, the, the whole... The first step of becoming a Christian is saying, God, I lay everything down. My life is yours. It is a complete surrender to God. So, yes. It's emptying us, but the point that was often missed by me growing up is that holiness is laying things down so that I can be filled with the power of God. It's emptying. It's put off so that I can put on. It's this pursuit of God. See, holiness is about taking on the character of God, and that's why holiness is, is often described as to be like God. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, holy is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. God is the standard. He is absolutely holy with an infinite incomprehensible fullness of purity that is inescapable of being other than it is. Because he is holy, his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. Holy is who God is. That's why holiness had so much baggage for me because I would often see people that were just trying to enforce rules and trying to become this big list of prohibitions, but I didn't see the kindness, the love, the joy, the graciousness, the forgiveness, all these things that are fruits of the Spirit that are the fruit of someone who is following God. See, when you miss the point, when you miss the purpose, it's like, why am I here? The whole point of a basketball team is not just for practice, Right? The whole point of playing piano is not just to play skills and to practice. The whole point of anything that you want to do. When you miss the purpose, I took piano lessons because I, I wanted to play piano. I took, I studied cooking because I want to cook great meals. Everything's good. 
all of these things. And we pursue God and we lay things down because we want to be filled with his spirit and be brought back to the way that God made us to operate so that we can walk in what the Bible talks about as freedom. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. We're no longer encumbered by the chains of sin. We're no longer on this path towards death, but we're on this path with God to spend eternity with him forever. And I want to be on this path so that when I'm talking to people, I don't have all these things in the way, but when someone's asked me a question, I can hear God. And I'm not like, well, man, I wish I didn't do that, and I wish I didn't do that. I mean, so sometimes you get in these things, and it's like, well, before I can talk and speak to you, I feel like I need to have this big confession session, which is good to have. Do it and have it. But I want to have my life in a place to where, as I'm walking the street, and I sit on the bus, and I sit next to somebody, and I start talking to them, and a holy moment appears that I can be there with a good conscience and saying, God, speak. I want to see this person come to the Lord. And that has happened repeatedly. Happened repeatedly. And you see the purpose of God, to reconcile everybody in your home, in your workplace. But Paul is coming back and saying, but you've got to be careful with your conscience. It needs to be a clear conscience, a good conscience, one that is surrendered to God, and it's about holiness. That's why, as it relates to holiness, holiness is all about the pursuit of God. You can't do it for yourself. Because sometimes we can fall in the trap, well, if I do these ten things then I'll be whatever that is. If I just do this, that's a works-based gospel, right? We don't do it. We can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. There's nothing that I can do for that. It is a gift of God. It's a grace. But now that I've surrendered my life to God, I am pursuing him. I'm pursuing him, loving him, saying, God, speak to me. Along the ways, making mistakes, but God keeps shaping me. God keeps, keeps, keeps forming me. God keeps strengthening me along the way as I pursue him. And the goodness, the godliness, the holiness of God is now in me. I'm not God, duh, right? No one's surprised by that. I'm not saying you can be God. That is a cultic religion. But what I'm saying is that God's saying, I made you in my image for my purpose, to be filled with my power. And so many times I live way beneath that because I'm messing around with what C.S. Lewis says, mud puddles, when, when I have no idea what it could be like being on the ocean. And I'm not content with it anymore. See, Christianity is not about having correct doctrines and opinions. That's a good start. But it's not about just having the right answers to a test. It is about being filled with the power of God, pursuing God. Because see, the minute that we stop pursuing is the minute that we cease to function as a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ is someone who's following. This is my running man impersonation, okay? You're walking, you're flowing, you're walking with him. And when he stops, you stop and you pause and say, all right, what are we doing here? It's following. Salvation is not an event. Salvation is not about saying one yes to God. Where you say the sinner's prayer, and you say yes, and you go, yeah, I'm done. I've got my club membership. That's not Christianity. It starts there. It starts with that prayer. It starts with that confession. But see, salvation is a recognition that I was lost, I was drowning, I was without God, I was doing it my own way, and I needed saving, I needed rescuing. And I turned to God, and he was there going, I'm ready. See, godliness, holiness, it's about positioning every area of our lives, every area of my life towards God. It's about holding God in deep reverence. 
It's about allowing God to convert every part of my life to him. How many of you have parts of your life that you need converting over to God? I'm raising my hand. All right. I'm raising my hand. We have moments when God speaks to us, just like healing, and it's, it's instant, it's immediate. But then there's parts, there's a thorn in our flesh Paul talked about, and it's that daily converting. Know what that looks like for me? Every morning I get up, I get my coffee, I get my Bible, I get my dog, in that order. And I lay it before the Lord. And I lay over those things that I had a challenge with the previous day. And the Lord meets me. And he strengthens. So I'm having a hard time getting it out. I'm having a hard time because those through some of the darkest days God meets me and he restores me and he heals me. On days I get angry. Do you know that I get angry sometimes? Don't tell Canada. There's days I get angry. There's days I get disappointed. There's days I feel depressed. There's days the weight of the world comes on my shoulders. And I pursue God. And he meets me. And then I go through the day, and I have challenges, hurts, habits, hang-ups. And I come back to God. Because there's things, again, that God has healed me and restored me. And there's times that God has touched me and healed me in an instant that I had 20 years of, of pursuit behind it. There was a wonderful lady in our church one, one time, sang in the choir, she was on the board and everything, and she came to me and said, I've been praying that God would release me of this addiction for 30 years, and today he broke it. Does that invalidate anything that happened before? No. She was pursuing God. She was laying it before her father. She was saying, God, take this thorn from me. And the amount of growth that she did, the way that she was able to counsel other people by that daily pursuit, that daily confessional, that daily going out, walking in accountability with people, it's remarkable. What an example. What an example. See, this is what Paul, Paul uses words, when you look at the process, this is the Apostle Paul, okay? Healing people, walking in people, writing such a huge chunk of the New Testament that we look to. Paul uses words like, we work and we toil, and it's hard. And he uses all these words to describe what it means. That's why Paul compares it to being an athlete. See, we, we see athletes slam dunking, or we see the Kraken putting it in the back of the net that they're doing more of, all glory to God, um, right? We see all these things happening, but we don't see the work behind it. We don't see the ice baths. We don't see the injuries. We don't see broken bones. We don't see how they don't eat certain things because they want to perform. We don't see all the discipline that goes behind it. We see the freedom on the field. 
We see an artist that gets up here, and you talk to every artist, jazz, classical, and, and I've talked to jazz, classical artists, all these kinds of artists, and when you talk about them, you go, man, how did you get up there, right? Three words, what are they? Practice, 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 right? Wynton Marsalis says this, everybody says this. It's practice, practice, practice. To the point of there was this one jazz artist that he talked about how he couldn't have relationships because as soon as he started dating somebody, he'd say, you know what, I'm, I'm married to my, to my instrument, I spend eight hours a day practicing, and this is the number one thing in my life. And the lady goes, oh, ha, 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 okay. And she's thinking, well, that'll change over time. And when it doesn't, she's like, pick, it's either the instrument or me. And she, he's like, I picked my guitar. That's not marital advice, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying. When you see people doing these sorts of things, there's a whole hidden world of discipline and practice that got them to that point. And as it relates to the character of God, as it relates to all these things, it's not a gift to get. It's not a workspace. But when I'm pursuing God, when I'm living for him, all these things, God comes in. I made you. I fashioned you. I know the things that help you and the things that hurt you. And because I'm pursuing him, I want my life to be filled with his power, with his authority, and with the freedom that comes from here. And that's why Paul says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. So yeah, take care of your body, right? Take care of your body the best that you can. Eat right. Eat healthy. You'll have to take less medicine the older you get. Do all those things. It was great to do the very best you can. But he's saying much better is holiness, digging into God, pursuing him, because that's your soul, and your soul lasts forever. Your soul lasts forever. This is where we put the focus. So how do we train for holiness? Because Paul says there's benefits as it relates to this godliness that are in this life right now and in the life to come. So how do we train for this? Well, again, it's positioning. And it's positioning everything. It's not a switch you turn on, like, now I'm in holiness training. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a switch. See, I am always a dad. The minute I had a child, I'm always a dad. The minute I got married, I am always a husband. I don't look and say, I'm not your dad right now. Go see your mom, right? That is good parenting advice right there. <laughs> right? It's not a switch you turn on, you turn off, you turn off and turn on. Those things break. <laughs> it is a pursuit. It is a positioning myself in everything. That's why Jesus said that in Mark 12, he said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. It wasn't sequential. It's everything. Everything. So spiritually, just like I was, just like I was, I was crying to you earlier, I confess my sin. I surrender my life to Christ. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day. With my mind, I fill my mind with God. I study his word. That's not a word just to pastors. That's a word to everybody. My goal is that I would equip you. When we talked about a couple of weeks ago about women in ministry, what Paul was meaning, I started off by saying, here are some ways to study the word of God. Use the word to interpret the word. That's why we know we need to pay attention here because it doesn't seem to make sense. But when we study all of scripture, it makes sense. It's enlightened. All these things that we do, study the word, memorize the word, meditate the word. I'm very careful as it relates to my mind that I don't allow things to enter into my mind that pulls me away or confuses me. 
There are times that I have to discipline my mind because it distracts me. And I'm not talking about these things that you would say it's necessarily sinful, but there are times that I've had to delete the NHL app from my phone. That's National Hockey League. Is it evil? No. But I found myself going to it too much, and I'm like, no, 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 I need to, right? I, I, I need to pay attention right now. It's back on my phone. We've worked through that together with the Lord. But I need to be careful that nothing distracts me. That's why I'm very careful over what I watch. I'm very careful over what I listen to. I'm very careful to all these things. When, when my kids bring a song, I'm like, what are the words? What do the words say? What, what does it mean? Because I grew up in the 80s where as long as I had a good guitar riff, I was into it. And went back later going, oh my It means with my strength, because this results in a physical change, right? And a lot of times, this, this comes to, to my schedule, like I said earlier, to where I'm praying every day. I'm reading my Bible every day. You know, and notice, I'm not putting time things in here. I'm just saying, orient yourself. I've got a Bible app that reminds me, that brings up a, a scripture, because I need the Word of God. I need that my schedule to be a part of it. I need to be regularly gathering together with all of you. Pastor or no pastor, I'm gathering together with you. You fire me. I'm still going to be going to church every week. Because I need it. If I'm living for God, I'm going to be here. Please don't fire me, but, you know, it's, it's what, I, I need it. I need the Bible every day. I need prayer every day. See, going to church, this is where I learn. This is where I'm encouraged. And even though there may be church hurt, and I've, I've looked back to, to some of my early days, and, I, and I've talked about how there, there were some legalism, some things there. There were men. This is, this is National Stand Up and Cry Day, I guess. I don't know. But there were men and women that poured into me. And because they poured into me, I kept going. And I didn't stop going to church. I didn't stop connecting with the body of Christ once I left because there were men and women that poured into me, that loved me, that cared me. I had a Sunday school teacher that would go around and pick up all, all the boys in his class and just bring us out for burgers and poutine. You want to start a ministry? I'm in. I have some of them. They're on Facebook, and they reach out to me even today. I listened to your sermon, and they gave me a thum- thumbs up. They're like, that, that's good, right? They're so, and like, yep, that, that's good. This is so important. It's about everything that I have, whatever I put my hands to, doing it with all your heart as unto the Lord. Because it comes down to this, if I can't dedicate what I'm doing to God, I shouldn't be doing it. Jesus is right next to me. He's in me. But if I can't watch that movie with Jesus, I shouldn't be watching it. If I can't be saying those things with Jesus, he is there. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. I shouldn't be doing it. See, this all comes down to our witness. One of the ways that we do it, you want to grow in your walk with God, you want, you want to grow in godliness and holiness being alive in you, you start sharing with people the good news of God. You start, like what Sean is doing, going to Spain, or wherever you go, you start praying, God, who's somebody I can share this with today? Talk about it at home. Talk about it on your way. However you travel, however you go, you start praying, God, show me someone today that I can share this with. It will revolutionize your life. You will make mistakes. 
And then you'll get your Bible, your dog, your coffee, and then you'll live for the Lord and say, God, help me today. And then you go out and you do it again. Nothing cures me like that. Because as I'm going out, they're asking questions, they're making me think, they're causing me to depend on God because the only way that I can share is as I'm dependent on God. You start doing that, you start finding a way just very, very simply. Now, I'm not saying do a sign on a corner. If I see you on a corner with a sign, I'm going to come up and say, hey. (laughs) I'm talking about having a heart for those around you, talking. I led somebody to Christ one time by just saying, nice shoes, and and they, they were cool shoes. I couldn't pull them off, but they were great shoes. Finding those ways. Because see, this this is our witness. God has chosen us. This is why I said to Timothy, he said, be an example. He said to Timothy, he said, throw yourself into it. Timothy, everything that you do, let everyone see your progress as a young man pursuing the Lord. Throw yourself into it. See, God sends out all of his disciples. This is the application of the love. People should look at our lives and they should see the evidence. They're not expecting perfection. Nobody thinks Christians are perfect anymore. But they see you caring. They see you pausing. They see you stopping. And they get around. I've gotten around people and I've seen others. Let me just, I'll break down some other people. I've seen people talk with, they've got around and start talking with people and the person across from them just all of a sudden starts to resonate. Because we carry the presence of God with us. They're made in the image of the Lord. I think about it like a tuning fork. When you have a a tuning fork that is tuned to A440, I'll tell you later what that means, and you play A440, that tuning fork vibrates. That's the image of God. You start speaking God. I had a young lady one time, she was doing a, a paper on religion, and I was the only pastor she knew, so she asked if she could talk to me. I started talking to her. I used an opportunity to share the gospel of the Lord with her. You know, you know someone that asks you a question, but you tell them, here's what I really want to tell you. <laughs> I start sharing the word of the Lord. She started crying. She's like, why am I crying? I'm like, you're crying because you were made in the image of God. When I look at you, I'm seeing a young lady who's made in the image of God. My wife was there with me. There's something waking up in you that you didn't know was there, and it's, it's God. This is what happens when we walk forward. And all of this takes discipline because I can't do it. I think we want to do it, but we've got to lay the things in behind. If I want to do a great backpacking adventure, I better be doing runs and walks and things over the winter months or I'm going to be out of gas 15 minutes in. God is saying, pursue me. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge God and he'll direct your paths. See, this is the type of pursuit, the pursuit of God, the pursuit of holiness in our lives. It's only possible through the power of Christ in us that we need. We need this discipline. That's why rejecting the discipline of the Lord is like, it's rejecting God. There's this verse in that David writes, Psalm 50, he says to, to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statues or take my covenant on your lips for you hate discipline. You cast my words behind you. We need this. We are in a very undisciplined culture that is led by so many things. But you know what? People who are disciplined in every arena, even though we lean into being undisciplined, just doing whatever we want to do, people that are disciplined in every area, we look at them and go, wow, 
Be a light for Christ. Be a light for Christ. Because see, the results of holiness, Paul lays out, and I'm wrapping up here. Paul lays it out that the results of all this, he says godliness is much better because there's benefits now and the life to come. When you look at the Bible, holiness is described as more valuable than physical strength. It's more valuable than financial strength. It's more valuable than anything that we have. The same book I referenced earlier, John Eldridge said something that I thought was very interesting, that he was relating this aspect of holiness of godliness in our life to the life of Jesus and said this was a guard for Jesus. Jesus walking, fully God, fully man, walking as a man on earth, this was a guard, enabling him to walk with peace and not be put off. See, there's been this shying away from holiness, and, and it, it began two or three decades ago where there was this word that, that began going through the body of Christ called relevant and relevance. And I saw young people start saying, well, I, I just want to be relevant. I want people to know that I can be like them. I want people to know that I love them and care them. And so by engaging in the things that they do and going to all the places that they go, I will be relevant. And then they'll know Jesus. Do you know what I saw in almost every situation? The tendency was they didn't reach them, but they themselves were converted. They left Christ. See, there was nobody more relevant than Jesus. So much so that they called him a friend of sinners, and that wasn't a good term to them. They called him a friend of sinners because... He went to the sinners. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I came not for those that are healthy. I came for those that are sick. And he went to them, but he never, ever, ever compromised. Never compromised. And one of the most relevant things to those around him were not how much he was like them, but how different he was. Because he called them to something greater, but he loved them. I'm not going to engage in all this stuff. But I love you. The woman caught in adultery, that he shouldn't even be around, he protected her first, called out all these men that were looking at her and that they were saying, look at the thing you did, and protected her from all of them. And then he said, now get up and go sin no more. Called her to something else. He went to the woman at the well. He went to Zacchaeus. He went, he went everywhere that he went. He loved them, but he never, ever compromised. When people walked away sad, he didn't chase them. I've chased people before. Not literally running down the street like a stalker, but, but I'm just like, man, it, you know, when people have walked away sad, I've shared the gospel, I start taking it personally and just kind of going, man, you know, Jesus laid it out, made it their decision, because until we surrender all, until we step up, there is no hope. But he never, ever compromised who he was. It was, the, it was the fact that he was different that attracted people to him. People are looking for something different today. You want to be different in Seattle? Be a pursuer of God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love people unconditionally, but don't compromise. 
And there's no way that you can do that without being filled with the power of God. And this is holiness. Having these disciplines in place. I'm going to be filled with the word of God. I'm, every day, Holy Spirit, fill me. Show me today. Speak to me today. There's things I'm not going to watch. There's things I'm not going to do. There's words I'm not going to say because I care what God thinks. I want to walk with him. See, holiness is a removal of all things but God. See, I'm the kind of person that one of, one of the biggest things that stresses me out is clutter and just stuff around. Anybody else? You got that problem? Right. And I was amazed when, you know, if you watch these HGTV shows and stuff and Magnolia Network, whatever, and you see someone come into this home, they're getting ready to sell, and they want to get it ready. What's one of the first things that they do? They take everything out. <laughs> right? They gut the house, and then they put in just a few of their things, the things that were made to be there. Every time what happens, the person comes in and goes, is this my house? Well, yeah, because now in the living room, there's just a couch and a few lights, and there's, like, there's so much open space. My house is huge. But you couldn't see it because it was so cluttered. When we declutter it, when we get all the stuff out, there's this peace that comes in. We even see it in our lives. When we declutter our lives, this is the work of God, the removal of all things but God. We empty ourselves so that we can be filled. We let go of things so that we can receive from the Lord. This is holiness. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, we, uh, we thank you because you love us and you're calling us and you're with us today. And God, I know this word has a lot of baggage. It certainly has for me. But God, help us not to throw away your call, your words, your direction for us. So Lord, today, Lord, give us the empowerment from the Holy Spirit to, to let go of the things we need to let go of. And you know, there's, there's some questions that are going to come up, but I... I I just want to encourage you today that this is the, this is the Quaker prayer I've laid in before, but just to hold your hands out, palm down. And just to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are the things I need to let go of? What are the things that I'm holding on to that you're telling me, let it go? Get rid of it. The things I watch, the things I say, Maybe it's relational hurt that I'm harboring. Maybe it's an emotional thing that I, boy, God, I just, my hands are open, but it's sticking to me. Help me, Jesus, to let go of these things. Confess it to the Lord. Lord, confess, say, forgive me. Jesus, I know this is wrong. Forgive me. I let go of it. Give me the strength to not go back to that anymore, but to release it to you. And then turn your hands upward and say, now, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to receive from you the things you have for me, the calling you have in my life, the, the talent that you've given me to use for you, the pursuit of God, your presence, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, self-control. I receive that from you today, O oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I know that we've gone a little bit long today, but I want to encourage you. If the Lord's speaking to you today, 
confess it to somebody. Here's what God's calling me to do today. Things I need to pull back in, things I need to let go of. Lord, at your name, the enemy must flee. So we speak your name, we sing your name, we proclaim your name. Let that be alive in us, oh God. Lord, continue to be with us. We know the enemy would want to distract us, want to speak lies to us, but Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to identify that's a lie. We will not give in to it. We will walk in your truth in all that we do. Fill us with your life. Fill us with your spirit. And I pray again, Lord, for my friends here today that this letting go of things. There are things we turn our hands over and they drop away and there, there's things we hold our hands over and they cling to it. Lord, set us free. Remove those things from us by the power of God in our life, the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us to receive all that you are, I pray, in your name. And everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. Continue to pray. We have people praying. There's no rush. Feel free to hang out. Be sure to go up to Sean. Get a prayer card. Pray for him. Pray for him. Love each other. Encourage one another. But walk in this. Align your life to God. Pursue God. Imagine what would happen as we all pursue the Lord and we let go of all the junk that just, it's just junk food. Let go of it. Amen. Amen. As we leave today, again, keep praying, keep doing all that. This is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Love you all. God bless.